13. We're going to take a look at verses 25 through 33 this morning as we continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 14, we're going to read verses 25 through 33. If you don't have a pew Bible, you can grab, I mean, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab a pew Bible and turn to page 874. Hear God's word this morning. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not... While the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I confess to you that I looked forward to preaching through Luke's gospel because I thought it was going to be so easy. (laughs) And yet, Lord, it seems as if week after week we come to these passages that are so difficult. Um, They're tough messages, tough truths. So I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and prepare our hearts to receive our ears, to hear our minds, to comprehend what you say here. Lord, as I seek to teach your people your word, I pray that you would help me to be 100% faithful to your word, to exalt your Son, our Savior, and to appropriately apply your word to our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tom Brady and his wife Giselle have officially filed for divorce. Anyone that has had a life or a family that's been touched by divorce feels their pain. Some of you that have fantasy football leagues and have Tom Brady as your quarterback feel the pain in a little bit different way. But all the conversation this week has been at least about the perception around the question of, did did Tom Brady count the cost before he began this season of football? In other words, did he count the cost and intentionally prioritize his career over his family? 
Within hours of the news breaking that Tom Brady and his wife Giselle had filed for divorce, one of my friends sent me a meme, texted it to me. It had a, a grown man in a Halloween costume that looked like a football from top to finish. And it said, this is the way Tom Brady's kids will trick their dad into playing with them this Halloween. Ouch. Way too soon. When we wonder, did he count the cost? I say that not to pick on him, but it is on our minds as a culture this week. As they file for divorce, it makes us wonder if really any of us truly count the cost of those marriage vows before we make them and take them for richer, poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Those are serious vows. Those are serious commitments that we make to one another. And I wonder sometimes before we make them if we truly count the cost. For those of you that are pet lovers, we will be challenged and encouraged this Christmas season to count the cost before we buy a pet as a holiday present. We've all heard and seen the statistics of dogs and cats that are bought as precious little presents on, for Christmas morning that then are given up and cast away just a few months later. Do we count the cost? But most importantly, in your relationship with Jesus, have you counted the cost? Three times in this passage, Jesus says, he cannot be my disciple. In the Greek, it really means he is not able to be my disciple. Why not? Was Jesus teaches in this passage, the root cause, the root problem of someone who can't follow Jesus faithfully until the end comes as a result of someone who's failed to take the time and to count the cost. In verse 26, 27, and 33, Jesus says, He cannot be my disciple. This morning, I want us to take some time out and to count the cost. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to take a look at two considerations in this passage. A number of ways we could divide the passage and outline it for our time together. But uh, I want you first to consider this. Consider the cost of following Jesus. Consider the cost of following Jesus. Here's what we know is that every time you make something a priority, there are consequences. We talked about with, that with Tom Brady just a few moments ago, that if he prioritized his NFL career, there has been a ripple effect of consequences in his personal life, his marital life, and now with his family. The same happens with Jesus here in verse 25. It says that great crowds were accompanying him, and he turned to them and said this teaching, which is a very difficult teaching. What do we learn about Jesus in this passage? Well, Jesus himself considered the cost of following his heavenly father faithfully. 
Jesus, like a good evangelical preacher here in verse 25, has gathered a great crowd. It says that they continuously are following Jesus. But Jesus does something here that a lot of preachers would not be willing to do. Do you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to thin out the ranks. He's trying to sift those that are truly there for him and those that are just there for what he has to offer them. The miracles, the healings, the amazing things. And so Jesus says here in verse 26, If anyone would come after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That doesn't seem very Jesus of Jesus, does it? I thought Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. He did. I thought that the, the, the entire summary of the Ten Commandments are summarized by Jesus as these two commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought, has Jesus forgotten the fifth commandment? That you're to honor your father and your mother? So what's happening here? Has Jesus decided to be inconsistent? Is he contradicting himself more? Is he contradicting the word of God? No. What is Jesus doing? He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to consider the cost. What is ultimate in your life? More importantly, who is ultimate in your life? As you count the cost of following Jesus, here's what you'll learn. That following Jesus will sometimes seem as if you've put everyone else to the wayside. And it isn't because you don't love them. It isn't because you don't care for them. It's just when their priorities conflict with the priority of Christ and his kingdom. You must follow Jesus first and foremost. Remember Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when he says here, you've got to love me even more than you love yourself. What is Jesus saying? If you're going to follow me, you've got to count the cost. You've got to consider the cost. And part of the cost is that you're, you will have relationships that are permanently impacted. Potentially. By following me. If not at least temporarily impacted by following me. But he says also that you've got to consider the cost of how you're Quality of life will be, pardon me, your quantity of life can be affected. The quantity of life. Look at verse 27. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There's no doubt that the disciples face martyrdom for following Jesus. And Jesus is warning his disciples here to consider the cost of following him. And many of them will be beheaded, crucified. We know Peter himself was crucified upside down. Eventually, the apostle Paul will be beheaded. And so the the quantity of their life was shrunk because they followed Jesus. 
We know that many of the Protestant reformers' lives, their quantity of life was cut short according to our standards because they followed Jesus. Not only does Jesus talk about the quantity of our life here that's affected by counting the cost, but the quality of our life. When he says here that, verse 27, who does not, ever, does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Remember, we affirmed our faith today with, from Luke chapter 9 that Jesus said that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and daily take up his cross and follow me. In other words, following Jesus not only impacts the quantity of your life, but the quality of your life. You will suffer if you follow Jesus. R. Kent Hughes says it this way, Discipleship is a series of deaths, perpetual dying. Following Christ means you put yourself on a path of self-denial. You embrace suffering as a part of life. Any takers? What's the point? If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to count the cost. You've got to consider the cost. Well, what's the cost? Some of you will have relationships affected. Some of you, your, your life itself will be cut short by a decision to accept a call to the mission field. And all of us, our quality of life will be impacted because following Jesus will require us to suffer, not only physically, but spiritually. That's what excites me and yet concerns me about the members we've received recently, and particularly the baptisms. One of our, our, our deacons says it this way, that as soon as you decide to follow Jesus and to step up for him, it's like you put a big bullseye on the back of your chest or on the front of your chest. It's true. What about you? What has following Jesus cost you? I'm sure that some of the, our students and teenagers could tell you that already their decision to follow Jesus has cost them some friendships. Following Jesus will cost you sometimes family traditions. Thank you for praying about my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. We enjoyed our visit and now they're gone. <laughs> but one of the things we faced when we were offered the call to come here to serve is that we knew that this church has a Christmas Eve service every Christmas Eve. By the way, it's, it's our favorite service of the year. But we knew that there was going to be a conflict. Because Jennifer's family celebrates Christmas every Christmas Eve. And so that we knew that the, the call to come here meant we would spend potentially the rest of our Christmases with our families away from them unless they decide to fly south for Christmas, which I think is a better deal anyway. And so occasionally you'll hear me say a snarky comment on Christmas Eve when people complain about my homily or devotion going 10 minutes over. And I'll say, well, at least you don't, wear, you don't live 12-hour drive away from your family. <laughs> What's the point? We've got to count the cost. We've got to consider the cost if we're going to follow Jesus. For some of you, you've gotten frustrated in your relationship with Jesus because you were sold a bill of goods that's not biblical. You weren't told what Jesus said in verse 26 and 27. 
You were told that if you, if you followed Jesus, your life would be happy and clappy and you'd be healthy and wealthy and happy all the days of your life. And that's not true. But you get the greatest prize. And the greatest prize is to know your Creator and your Redeemer. And so I want to challenge you today to count the cost, to consider the cost. The picture here that I see reminds me of my grandfather back in West Virginia. He quit school in the sixth grade. Don't recommend any of you doing that. But in his day and age, it made more sense to work in the coal mines than to continue and complete his high school education. He's still one of the wisest and most talented men I've, I've ever met. I'm a little bit biased, but if you got to know him, you would be too. Um, but I'll never forget my grandfather as a construction worker sitting down in his kitchen and my grandmother telling me to not bother him for the next 45 minutes to an hour. He would pull out his calculator with a sheet of paper and a pencil and what my grandfather would begin doing is when he was asked to build a house, he would begin calculating the cost and all the materials and all the supplies that were needed to build that house. I could see him literally looking up in the air uh, or at the ceiling of the kitchen, counting how many two-by-fours he would need to build the trusses. He built it all from top to bottom. And number of summers I helped my grandfather in his construction business and I'm not exaggerating when I say that he counted the cost and considered the cost so precisely that on a number of occasions when he was finished and completed building a home the scrap parts could fit easily in a 30 gallon trash bag that we took to the landfill. What happened? My grandfather had appropriately and precisely considered the cost of building that home. That's what Jesus challenges all of us to do if we're going to follow him, is to count the cost, to consider the cost. That's the first consideration we've got to do this morning, if we're going to follow Jesus faithfully for all the days of our life. You've got to count the cost. But secondly, and finally, you've got to consider your commitment. Now, verses 28 through 32, there are two parables that Jesus tells. One is about a, a man who is considering constructing a tower. He's considering constructing a fortified wall that will protect either his vineyard, his home, or even his city. And the second parable in verses 31 through 32 uh, concerns a king who is preparing for war. And what we see in both of these parables is this phrase, to sit down. It happens in verse 28. It says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? it reminds me of my grandfather sitting down in his kitchen counting the cost. Verse 29 says, whenever he's laid a foundation and not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to, be, began to build a house and was not able to finish it. But look at verse 31. There's also this phrase, sit down. 
Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 men to meet him and to come against those with 20,000 men? What's the point? They need to consider not only the cost, but their commitment to the cost. In other words, the man who's getting ready to build the tower, he needs to sit down and decide, first of all, do I have the resources, do I have the energy, and am I willing to see this project through to completion? But if you went up to Atlanta, Georgia, what you would have seen after the 2008 financial collapse is that you would have noticed several hotels that were being constructed outside of Atlanta where the building just simply stopped. There was rebar sticking out of the concrete walls. They just stopped finishing. They they stopped building because they weren't able to finish and complete the hotel. And people would mock the, the buildings as they drove around Atlanta. That's precisely the picture that's going on here. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're going to count the cost of following me, you need to also consider your commitment. What's the level of your commitment to following me? Because if you're not willing to see me through to the end and faithfully follow me to the end, you'll bring a mockery to me and my church and my kingdom. And then he says in verse 31, Or what what king going out to counter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate? Do I have the resources to win the war, to win the battle? And I'm willing to pay the ultimate price. That's the question Jesus has for you today. As you consider your commitment to Christ, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price to follow Jesus? No matter what. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Is that whomever will follow him must be willing to pay the ultimate price. Today is Reformation Sunday. I appreciate Chris Tibbetts highlighting that fact that on October 31, 1st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the door of the Church of Wittenberg. But just to few short years later, four years later, in April of 1521, would be the Diet of Worms, where Martin Luther was summoned to come and defend his writings about the Bible and doctrine, or to recant them. If you remember that setting, I believe it was 25 different writings of Luther's was placed before him and he was called and commanded to recant of his position that he had taken on Scripture. They were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, and that we know that gospel through Scripture alone, not man's opinion. We read that Martin Luther took 24 hours to pray And he came back before the the Emperor Charles V and said, Unless I am convinced by the testimony of scriptures, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted. 
May God help me. Amen. He was deemed a heretic. And there was a price put on Martin Luther's head. But Martin Luther had counted the cost of following Jesus faithfully. And he had considered his commitment to Christ and he was willing to die for Jesus. Are you committed to Jesus? How committed are you to Jesus? Are you willing to die for him? Do you know what's even more scary than dying for Jesus? Seeking to live for him. Because when you live for Jesus, you have to regularly commit to making sacrifices for Jesus. This morning, we're going to enjoy a free meal with the stewardship banquet. What are we eating today, by the way? Does anyone know? It's a secret. Is it mystery meat? <laughs> Well, I was reminded of our stewardship banquet in verse 33 of this passage. Because Jesus ends this passage by saying, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, is Jesus saying we all got to give away all of our money today in order to follow him? No, but what Jesus is saying is that Everything that we have and everything that we own is second place in comparison to him. And so this morning, you're going to have down there in the fellowship hall a pledge card. And I want you to consider the cost. I want you to consider your commitment to Christ today. Because as R. Kent Hughes said in his sermon about this passage of Scripture... One of the tests of discipleship and following Jesus is what we do with our money. R. Kent Hughes challenges us and says that if we're not giving regularly and generously, then something's wrong in our walk with Jesus Christ. Because a true follower of Jesus says this, Lord, all I have is yours. Because all I need is you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I confess to you how I can let other people, other things, other priorities take first place in my life. Father God, the, the irony and the, the heresy is that I can even allow programs and responsibilities related to your church to take first place in my life.
So, Father God, please forgive me for not following you faithfully. Thank you that you're forgiving when we waver in our commitment to you because you will never waver in your commitment to us. And we see that through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, what I pray is that you would hear us today say in response to your all-sufficient sacrifice that we cling to you alone because you're all that we need. Because at the end of the day, which is judgment day, the only thing that really matters is our relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's respond to God's word this morning by standing and singing hymn number 92, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I'm going to say, let's just sing verses 1 and 2 this morning. Just verses 1 and 2 this morning. I know it's printed in your bulletin. Let's just sing verses 1 and 2.